0: Welcome back to another episode of the Inside Japan podcast. I'm Charlie, and this is sponsored by JobsInJapan.com, which is the best place on the internet to find your next job in Japan. Today, I'm talking with Harry Bossert, who works at Polygon Pictures. He worked on Transformers War for Cybertron, and he has a fantastic, really interesting story about how he became an animator and worked in animation in Japan. Hi, Harry. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. I'm really excited to talk with you. You have a really interesting story, and I kind of want to go and start just right from the beginning. How did you start being interested in Japan, and what did that sort of lead to? Uh, so my interest in Japan goes a very long way back.
1: Back when I was in primary school, about eight years old, I had a teacher at school who was Japanese, and she introduced kind of the, all these cool parts of Japanese culture to us. Like mm. She showed us, like we did origami in class, she showed us pictures of the bullet train, and eight-year-old me was like, "Damn, Japan is just the coolest place on earth." <laughs> um, but that wasn't—that didn't really lead to me like wanting to live in Japan. I just thought, "Damn, it was the coolest place." Also, I like Pokemon a lot of the time. Um, what led to the job that I have now is um, wanting to make animation. When I was uh, twelve years old, I started making uh, Lego stop-motion animations for YouTube. Um, I just saw one on YouTube one day and I thought it was like super cool and I wanted to make them. So I did, and I kept that hobby up all the way through my teenage years. And I got quite a lot of views on YouTube. And very fortunately, one of those films was picked up at a film festival, which meant that I got noticed by the Lego company who asked me to make some films for them. Um, And then off the back of that, completely randomly, a film that I'd made for the Lego company was picked up by Japanese TV, which was the start of my professional Japan connection.
0: Wow. Um, yeah that's a really cool way to get into it as well like um I, I always say to people that you should work in things that you're really interested in and eventually like people will start to notice like wh- whatever it is that you want to do you'll you'll get noticed if you actually do really good work and uh, I watched um you know in preparation for this I watched your um I think it was called modern warfare I think even even teenage you understood how to play the YouTube algorithm <laughs> and um and that was a really it was really interesting and an incredible work for a, for a teenager to be doing like I remember I wanted to do 3D animation when I was uh in in high schools well, or in secondary school and um I couldn't really get into it because I just I don't think I was good enough I wasn't really talented enough I made a few quick animations on uh, cinema 4D which was uh, my favorite way to do it and um I realized very quickly that um I wasn't really artistically talented enough to compete with some of the people I was seeing going to, to universities nearby. So, um, so then your, your animation got picked up by a Japanese, um, or they they found out about a Japanese uh, reporter and, um, they came to, to the UK to talk with you, right? That's yes, that's right. Um, I had
1: a Japanese reporter and his cameraman come to my house. They came up to my bedroom slash film studio, um, to film me like talking about Lego, and um, they had me build some stuff that they took back to the studio in Japan. Mm. And the reporter who interviewed me was a total Anglophile. That's why he reported on all the stuff that happened in the UK. So he was oh, wow. very eager to have like, more British friends and contacts. He was like, yeah, yeah, add me on Facebook, add me on Facebook. So I did. I didn't quite, at the time I was kind of overwhelmed. I didn't quite know like what was going on or what it could possibly lead to. Um, But after that, I went to university and at that point I kind of had enough of stop motion. I felt like I'd done everything that I could with like Mm a stop motion. So I went to go and study 3D animation, um, also called CG animation, 3D digital animation. Everyone's got a different name for it. Right. After the first year of university finished, our lecturers were like, go and get like work experience somewhere. Like go and do internships. Don't waste this summer holiday. Um, so I had a thing like who do I know who might be able to get me some interesting work experience in um, kind of video TV film I know I'll write to that reporter who interviewed me like a couple of years ago so I sent him a message i like saying like is well, might there be any opportunities in Tokyo and he said yeah yeah absolutely like I know exactly who to introduce you who to introduce you to so that was September 2015. I flew out to Tokyo, and sure enough my reporter friend introduced me to a woman who he called the most well-connected woman in Tokyo. <laughs> good, good ally to have. Um, and she took, I shadowed her as she took me to um, all sorts of different studios that we went to, Wow Wow, which is a big um, TV company here, TBS as well, uh, the BBC. Um, we went all sorts of places, and at that time I could barely speak japanese i'd done like three in preparation i'd opened the first genki book and i'd studied it for about (laughs) three weeks so i could read hiragana and katakana and do like the most basic sentences but even that went so far like people were so happy to see that i'd made even just that little bit of effort um and honestly i had the time of my life like everyone was so kind so when i went back to the uk at the end of that trip um i figured if i could speak Japanese, there's definitely work opportunities for me in Japan. Um, So that was when I started studying Japanese in my free time
0: while I
1: was studying animation at
0: university. Wow. So after all of the work that you'd done on your stop motion YouTube channel, um, then you had your film started to get popular and you started to learn the craft as a, as a sort of profession. Did you come straight from university in the UK to Japan or were you looking for other work or was it just like, this is my dream? I want to go live in Japan, work in Japan. And uh, and that's what took you here.
1: Yeah, I was a lot, when I was at university, I was a bit lost about what I wanted to do because our, our lecturers were all training us up to go into studios in London, which made the most sense because London was literally right next door to our university. Mm-hmm um but i'd i there was part of me was like oh i've kind of made all these contacts in japan and now i've also spent all this time learning japanese um so after i graduated i did apply for some jobs in london and i did actually get accepted to one and i often wonder how different my life would have been if i had taken it um but what happened at the same time was that most well-connected woman in tokyo who who kind of thought of herself as like my Japanese mother she was that <laughs> um, she cared that that much about me she sent me a message saying, say hey I've heard I, I've heard you graduated congratulations um, if you like you can come and work at my company in Tokyo um, and that company was one that makes um, Japanese dubs of foreign tv shows it's like um, foreign dramas and documentaries mostly English ones Um, dubbing them into Japanese so I got my working holiday visa and I came to Japan and that was where I worked for my first year in Japan.
0: Mm. Very interesting and the fact that she sort of wanted to help you out I think made it a lot easier because uh, in Japan I think getting into um, especially into um, creative work like animation or graphics or uh, video games can be really difficult. And there's a lot of competition uh, in Japan because a lot of people want to do that kind of work. So did you have to like have this really grueling interview process that maybe a lot of people do in Japan? Like they call it shukatsu, the when you finish university, you have to interview for months and months and, and work super hard to try and get a job at a company. Did you have to go through that or did you just come straight in with uh, sort of like... You know, my my Japanese mom helped me get this job. (laughs) I
1: never, no, I never had to do like the proper shoe cut stuff. I've never had to wear a suit. I've I've had to wear a suit once. That was for like for a special engagement, but never in kind (laughs) of something. It's all the creative world. Um. So yeah, that first that first year at that company, I mean, it was it was a very small company to begin with, and I was given kind of kind of a, a small a small role within that small company. So it was just kind of so that um, my, my Japanese mother could look after me. Um, the, the real job hunt happened at the end of my first year in Japan um, when my working holiday was coming to an end. Um, I felt like my journey in Japan has only, had only just started and I wasn't ready to go home but that company I was working for wouldn't sponsor my visa so I had to go searching um, and then I started firing off my CV to a lot of different animation studios because obviously I'd studied animation at university and that was the thing that I really wanted to do um, and that was when I found myself in an interview room at Polygon Pictures which is where I work now.
0: Yeah and what kind of skills do you need to have to work in something like that in Japan? Um, I'm sure that those kind of jobs in the UK Um, might require um, a lot of different skills and and be very competitive and in Japan I'm sure given how creative a lot of young Japanese people are I'm sure there are uh, a lot of things that they need to learn too so is it sort of something where you need to have a lot of different skills that intersect or is it more like you know very um, isolated focus like I do animation of bone rigs or um, something like that um
1: it, it really depends on the job that you want to have. Um, there's always a market for both specialists and generalists. And of course, the 3D production pipeline has many, many, many moving parts, many different roles, many different people. A lot of people who aren't maybe aren't familiar with animation production think, oh, who makes animation? It must be animators, right? But yeah. <laughs> animator is just one small part of a very long pipeline and all sorts of different skills are needed all the way
0: along it. Yeah that's super interesting actually as well because a lot of people like you said people will think it's just animators right like they just they just animate but there's tons and tons of people involved in a, in especially in like a production studio like that so uh, what kind of jobs are there you know other people that you work with in your company and and what kind of things do they do and are they all sort of like creative types or there are more sort of like business marketing or um, maybe people who are more technical. Like, what other people work in those kind of companies? Uh-huh. So, I think probably the best way to go through all these different
1: roles is kind of go like through through the pipeline from the start to the from the start to an end of an animation production. Okay. So, at the start, you'll have the concept phase, which is coming up with ideas, writing the the script drawing the storyboard. Um, those kind of concept roles aren't so available to foreigners because you need a bit of a reputation before a studio is going to trust you to come up with their next big IP mm-hmm. or, or handle a client's big IP. Um, so the sort of the the idea generation stuff is gen- if you're just coming into the industry like like I did, that's going to be generally out of out of reach. Um, after that, there'll be Um, or the design stage, like designing characters and environments. um, That's probably not so accessible to foreigners as well just because um, Japanese um, art schools like animation schools produce lots and lots of 2D animators and those 2D animators will have built up portfolios that are exactly what animation studios in Japan are looking for. so if you're coming from a Western school, where maybe maybe you like anime, or maybe you've, you've learned how to draw it, um, you still probably won't be able to compete with um, the animators that Japanese schools have produced, which is why I'll recommend to anyone who's dreaming of working anime in Japan, learn 3D, like learn 3D animation. Um, 2D animation is, I mean, You've probably heard some horror stories about the anime industry and people being worked to death or people being paid like pennies for every drawing that they've done. That's all in the 2D world. Here in the 3D world, we're um, we're, we're a little bit safer, I think. Mm -hmm
0: interesting and I, that also kind of diversifies what you can do because you know there's a lot of work in 2d and in just mostly in things like animation um and uh, like anime stuff but uh 3d allows you to work on video games or you know full-scale movies and and improving that skill you know there's a lot of uh, it's kind of a growth industry as opposed to Sort of 2D animation which has been around for 70-80 years or something.
1: Yeah yeah and also because like the streaming wars are taking place you've got all these different streaming platforms and they all want their own uh, 3D animated series so now mm. is really the boom times for 3D. Wow.
0: Um, okay and- so after you've got you've got your your sort of concept phase and then you've got those uh, initial drawings and and uh environments and concepts so then who else gets involved in the process and where do you come in? Uh So after that, you'll have
1: um, the 3D modeling. So based on the designs that have been made, um, 3D modelers will make those characters and environments in the 3D software on the computer. And there are lots of foreign staff who make those. So that is Mm -hmm. a big way that you can get into the animation industry. If you can model characters, environments, props, um, I have no doubt that there will be jobs for you here um the same goes for rigging as well rigging is basically turning those 3d modeled characters into puppets kind of giving them bones that animators can then pull on to move around Mm -hmm. um there's uh uh what comes next (laughs) process after that oh yeah so once the so the storyboard um which is a blocking out of every shot basically a rough a rough drawing of every shot where the the length of every shot is decided the composition of every shot is decided um in western animation studios that's normally done by a dedicated storyboard artist but in japanese studios it's normally done by the director Uh so there aren't storyboard jobs however after the storyboard has been drawn someone needs to scan in all those storyboards and turn it into a video that you can watch called Mm -hmm. an animatic where you might have a shot that's been written down. Let's get this shot is going to last one and a half seconds. Um, someone needs to turn
0: that into an actual shot that lasts one and a half seconds. Right. Uh, yeah. So, that the, animators- so I'm, I'm guessing so that the animators and the the voice actors and all of these people can come together and go, okay, this shot's going to last like four seconds. So you've got four seconds to say this.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's part of it. I mean, that's so like the, the animatic is so important because it's the first time anyone will have watched the episode up until that it's just been like sheets on paper and you can kind of read it like a comic strip and kind of imagine how long each shot is going to be mm-hmm. uh, but the, anima- the animatic is the first time anyone can watch the episode um, so as I said this is so I'm a video editor and this is one of my jobs as a video editor is is making these animatics um, um, what I'll do is I'll take the I'll take the scanned in storyboards I'll turn it into a video I'll add some rough sound effects i'll sort of measure out in my head how long each of the voice lines needs to be and adjust the length of each shot so that all the voice lines will fit Um, and then i'll export it send it to the director the director will have some feedback i'll come back
0: i'll change it and then send it back and we go back and forth a few times before that animatic is locked Hi everyone, I hope you're enjoying the conversation, and I just want to take a quick moment to mention that this podcast is only possible because of the support of jobsinjapan.com. So next time you're looking for a job, check out jobsinjapan.com. There are tons of jobs on there, not only in English teaching, but also software engineering, hospitality, marketing and consulting, among many others. Most of the jobs on the board do not require any specific level of Japanese, and you can get started in minutes. So next time you're looking for a job, check out jobsinjapan.com, and let's get back to the conversation. That's well, it sounds like a lot of work as well, because it, uh, people kind of they when they watch something like an animation, they don't realize like how many um, how much thinking really needs to go into all of those timings. It's not just, you know, one person taking it from from start to finish. There's like a whole team of people working on this. So everyone needs to be on the same page and and they're all kind of like waiting for each other to finish off different things and they're waiting for the voice actors to finish their lines or they're doing, you know, rechecking, and retooling animations and stuff to make sure that it looks good. So yeah, it's, that's uh, that's really interesting. And and the fact that you you did three animation, you recommended three D animation, but that you're actually working in video editing, yeah. um, or like the the edit stage. Um, which skills do you really need to use for that? Is that something that you had to learn from scratch, or um, something that you've done before that you were able to sort of pick up and improve?
1: Uh, well, I'd learned how to use video editing software like back when I was a teenager when I was making videos um and then that for, and then obviously at university as well we were making animation um and i was i was in charge of the video editing on our projects then as well um but also having that first year in japan turned out to be really helpful working at that um dub production company because there i was I was helping them with the translations. I was kind of being the resident English speaker whenever they were having trouble with translations. But also, I did do some video editing stuff, like replacing um, English titles with Japanese ones, or okay, occasionally those stuff we had to censor as well,
0: mm. um,
1: because Japanese TV regulations are quite strict. Right, uh, right. And they even got uh, they even got me to make some CG once. We got to do some. We were making a documentary about um, about Hawaii, and we needed to, need to show some dinosaurs in it for some reason. <laughs> There's dinosaurs in Hawaii, kind of. It was a weird project, but because I I had this year of working in um, the uh, a Japanese kind of video production environment, um, I think that's why Polygon Pictures was um, kind of happy to hire me. I have to say, so a lot of the um, roles that are open to foreigners, like three D model, like three D modeling and rigging, and then if you go further down the pipeline, you've got animators who actually uh, apply motion to all those um, to all the characters that have been made, um, and then compositors and effects people, uh, compos- which and and rendering as well, which is exporting those those kind of rough, very very CG looking images and making them look beautiful um those are all things that foreigners can do but you can mostly if it's a big studio like polygon pictures or the other big studio is olm which makes uh, pokemon or the pokemon anime and a lot of their promotional material um, All all the, these big studios will have interpreters so say if you're an animator you've been given a shot to make you animate that shot and then you send it back to your supervisor but then it, but if your supervisor's Japanese, there'll be a translator, in, uh, a translator or a interpreter in the middle to get that feedback.
0: Mm. But
1: my job as an animator, because I'm working so closely with the director, and often um, I'll be in a meeting with the director where I'm sitting there with Adobe Premiere, the editing software, open, um, and we'll play back something and the director will say, okay, I want this change, this change, and this change. I want, you know, this shot is this shot is too long, this shot, this shot is too short, this shot needs to be faster, this is too smaller, we need to change the composition on this. Um, I need to be able to understand and react immediately in Japanese. Um, so if you are looking to become a video editor
0: like me in Japan, you need to have a high level of Japanese ability. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, what is it really like working in a studio like that? So it, you said that you work kind of closely with a director or something, you need to speak some Japanese in your role. Um, but in your role and also roles like yours uh, in 3D animation or, or in modeling, um, what kind of skills do people really need to get and can they kind of find their way to it in a similar way that you did which was sort of um kind of conventional via an unconventional route right it's like you you started doing animations in you know as a kid and and that kind of helped you to have some kind of uh you know, uh, I guess a wow factor for people who were like, oh, wow, this kid did stuff when he was like 12 or something and did some animations. That's really cool. Um, and then actually learning traditional method and through uh, university. Um, what skills do you think people actually need to do that? And then what is it actually like working in an animation studio?
1: Um, well, the kind of skills that are being looked for, at least in the 3D world, are exactly the same skills that are being looked for in Western 3D animation studios. Um, do you have a Portfolio. like if you want to be a character modeler, do you have a portfolio of of characters that you've modeled? Um, If you want to be a compositor, do you have a portfolio of shots that you've composited? Um, That's, there isn't much there that's specific to Japan. I mean, the kind of things that Japanese studios are making, um, if you can tailor your work to that, then they'll be more pleased, but um, there are so many people uh, my company who have come from overseas and they weren't specifically looking to make anime they weren't specifically tailoring their portfolio to anime but they had um a portfolio of of good compositing work or modeling work or whatever it is Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how they got the job you don't have to take such a weird and convoluted and lucky route as i have done most people here will have gone to university to study Uh, 3d animation or visual effects and when they graduated they just straight up applied to Mm -hmm. polygon pictures or olm um or maybe another studio Mm.
0: Uh, and that's that's how they got into japan also what do you actually do not only on a day-to-day basis but when you're working with people in your group I can imagine especially if it's a multicultural environment it's going to be really uh interesting and different to work like that so uh, what is that like what is it like working in an animation studio uh, yeah well it was it was an interesting multicultural environment
1: until we all went remote <laughs> well actually my my role as an editor was a bit solitary to begin with because um we have a big open plan office but for some reason just the editors were in our own little room or in,
0: okay
1: yeah um where the lights are off most of the time because <laughs> <laughs> the other editors want to see their screen without a glare um so i i'm i'm kind of uh, i felt like a little bit of a of a black sheep of the company because i didn't yeah. actually see too many of my co-workers i would prepare um, so our, our edit room was split into two, so we had the space where we were doing the work and then we had a space with a big TV setup where we do checks with checks of new stuff that's come in with the directors. Um, so normally my work would be, I'd be sitting at my desk prepared, you know, I'd be sent a whole bunch of new shots say from the animators, have to compile those into a video to show to the director. Then I'd go over to the other room, set this up, the director and a bunch of other people like supervisors and um, production managers would all come in and then i'd say okay here we go here's the new shots that have come today i'm going to play them now off we go um and then i'd play those back and then the director would have feedback and anyone else in the room could have feedback i could also that's also my chance for creative input i can say oh i think this i think the pacing on this shot is a bit off i think we need to change it
0: um yeah is it kind of a high pressure environment? Because I, I know a lot of people um, imagine in their head whether or not they have any experience that mm-hmm. animation or any kind of um, sort of creative production studio in Japan is mm-hmm. going to be quite high pressure. There'll be deadlines and you'll have sort of uh, overwork time or things like that. Um, have you found that in your experience or is it a little bit different from what people are expecting?
1: Uh, yeah, it kind, of, kind of come and, came and went in waves. Um, specifically, those meetings would generally quite high pressure because we'd have like 60 minutes to check 100 shots or so and that Mm. is that means i really had to like at first i was so bad at it i was you know i I know how to edit a video but i didn't really know how to like do a presentation with adobe premiere i didn't Mm. i had i didn't have all like the keyboard shortcuts memorized so that when the director says okay cut half a second off this shot i can go okay it's done (laughs) I went, at first, I was so, you know, I slipped up so much, and yeah, I, um, and yeah, there was a time at the start where I totally like lost confidence in myself. I thought there's no way I can do this, mm. um, but thankfully they um they stuck with me.
0: Yeah, so those kind of meetings might be a little bit high pressure, but in general, do you feel like um in you know a lot of the horror stories that you've heard from from other companies, that's not is that not how it works at your company or, or is it not how it works maybe for foreigners in the company? Uh, there, there are people who work late. Um, I mean, it's not
1: it, animation is a labor of love. First mm-hmm. of all, uh, you've got to get into it because you want to do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there are people who work late. There are, um, you know, stressful, stressful times. And there are deadlines that seem too tight mm-hmm. at times. Um, but it's not quite the level of horror stories that you might have heard mm, um okay. i think that's partly due to just the the world of 3d animation probably just has a lot just i think it's just got more money in it than um 2d so they can afford to like hire more staff to get the work done um they can afford to have a little bit more time
0: mm.
1: um but Yeah. You've got to, if you're getting into animation, you've got to do it because, because you, because you want to do it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally understand. So for people who do want to get into it, um, what kind of skills would you recommend that they go for and that they look for? Like not only, uh, like you said, 3d animation would be a good one, but also like learning Japanese or being able to do like some, some ninja Adobe premiere edits or something like that. Um, What other skills would you recommend? And also how would you recommend they go about finding jobs in japan so when you when you looked uh, for your second one and, and we get a bunch of them on the jobs board but um obviously the, the best place to find your next job is wherever you can find it like uh, especially in a in a market where you know sometimes there's not going to be as many jobs available so how would you go about looking for those kind of jobs um when you're sort of uh, in that position so that's that's like three questions in one yeah. it's like what skills and then what should people know when they're looking for uh, a job there's two questions yeah yeah, yeah. So skills, if you're totally new
1: to animation or you've just dabbled in it a little bit um, but you think, oh I want to make anime one day, the first thing I would do is say, um, well the first the first thing I would say is look at the 3D production pipeline, look at all the different roles that are available and see if there is anything that you like the sound of, um, you know, maybe maybe like rigging, maybe like turning characters into puppets sounds like the coolest thing ever to you, mm-hmm. it didn't to me, but there are people who who love doing that, um, so find your niche, or even if like you look at all these names, like what the heck is all this, like I don't know what any of this is, then just, just try it, it's so easy to get into 3D animation nowadays, um, with Blender, it's free 3D software, there are just thousands upon thousands of tutorials on how to get started with blender and how to use it um so you can start training yourself up to be a 3d artist today if yeah. you want to. <laughs> um, obviously nothing is nothing will teach you better than actually making animation mm. um so yeah even like you know even if 3d isn't up for you like learning stop motion just to learn how videos are made even like i said like there aren't so many opportunities for doing 2d but if you want to do 2d that will still teach you how to make movies Mm. um so you'll learn how to do editing you'll learn how to tell a visual story you'll learn how to storyboard um, Mm. and that's all skills that will be beneficial to you
0: So especially in something like that, how would you set yourself apart from people who, you know, especially Japanese kids, like I remember when I was teaching high school and tons of kids who are drawing um, amazing anime pictures, like every single day, they just absolutely love it. It's their favorite thing to do. How would you set yourself apart from those kind of people if you wanted to compete with them for either whatever kind of job in in that field? Mm -hmm. Well,
1: there aren't, I mean, it it comes back to like, learn learn 3D, (laughs) obviously learn 3D, Mm -hmm. because there aren't, they're really st- like i've been to I, I visited olm once as well the other big CG animation studio here um and they said yeah man we are just hurting for 3d artists they japanese schools do not produce enough of them mm. um so if you can do 3d art you won't be you won't be competing with japanese kids because they, they're just not there they're just not there <laughs> to the be um so that's the yeah, that's the best thing I can say. If you try to compete on like being able to draw anime characters, uh, you're you're yeah, you're aiming I'm... the wrong
0: place. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I, I totally you're understand, understand you're that. Yeah, going up against a, a titan. <laughs> okay, um, Harry, thank you so much for sharing all your insights about the industry. Um, where can people find you if they're if they're interested, um, and they want to find out more about your work and and what you do. Okay, well, I've got a YouTube channel called
1: Bonyari Boy, B O N Y A R I Boy, um, where I talk. I've talked a bit about um, working in the anime industry. I also talked about um, how I learned Japanese and my life in Japan. Um, So if that interests you, please do check it out. You can also find me on Twitter at Bonyari underscore boy and Instagram at Harry um i love answering questions and helping people i've really kind of rushed through uh, the details of the anime industry here so if you have any more questions
0: please, please please do get in touch i would be more happy to chat awesome thank you so much